Welcome to episode 9 of Between the Banners. After Saturday night, you're even more appropriately named UNC Basketball Podcast. We're hosted by the good folks at TarHillBlog.com and sponsored by the good folks at SBNation.com. My name is Chad Floyd, and it's time. Like I said, UNC added another banner after splitting the ACC regular season title. And what comes after the regular season? It's tournament time, y'all. I'm not going to such a big topic alone. Joining me is a motley crew of Tar Heel blog contributors. As per often, your post-game wrap-up host, Brandon Anderson. Brandon, how are you, my man? I'm doing pretty good. It's been a very eventful weekend, but, you know, it's all worth it as long as Carolina beats Duke, so I'm here. He's here, he's suffering from allergies, and he apparently met uh, Nas and Leaky yesterday. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, turns out my little, I, my very, very random idea to shop in Chapel Hill kind of paid off. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Well, hopefully you told him that we still needed nine more wins. Yeah, you know, there's, for whatever reason, I was just so thrown off. The most I could say was, y'all had a good game last night. <laughs> and got a picture, and that was about it. That, I mean, that's pretty solid interaction. Uh, you might hear some uh, giggling that you've heard before, and as per sometimes, <laughs> the guy who makes my speech seem just a little bit faster by comparison, Joe Carpenter. Joe? Oh, I love it. I love it. First of all, thank you for having me on. Secondly, there was a podcast that was lost somewhere in the ether from before the season, and there was one guy, optimistic guy on that podcast who said, 16 and 2 was going to be the Tar Heel record for the uh regular season of the ACC. And uh look at that, Nostradamus. Not to this do this whole home or anything. Two two. Uh, hey, he, he, <laughs> we we had about a 100 minute podcast that uh got lost in the ether and he did say that thing. Um he also might have said that we had a not unrealistic possibility of going undefeated, so you know yeah, the optimism the, the, is not unwarranted, Joe. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. You can lose a few early, but now is the best time to go undefeated. This is true. And um for the first time, having never heard this man's voice until literally three minutes ago, from up in the frozen wasteland of the state of New York, I think, Quentin Schwab. Quentin, how are you, my man? I'm good. That's right. Upstate New York. Uh, thanks for having me on for the first time. Let's hope my debut goes as well as this debut season. And let's be honest, final season from Kobe White. Um, Joe, I don't think you had uh, Zion blowing out his shoe though, did you? So I'm not, I'm taking your prediction just with a grain of salt. <laughs> it's a flip-flop game. It's a flip-flop game. Come on. <laughs> so, funny story about that. My my dad was on a business trip in Georgia uh, during the first Duke game, and he had gone with a buddy to the Duke State game the Saturday prior. And, Quentin, it wasn't Joe that made the call, but my dad told his friend Jim Connell, and I have confirmed this through a source, which was Jim, who said, it looks like he is wearing bedroom slippers out there. His shoes are a problem. My dad claims this. I have it I have it on record. Um, so, wow. So I'm hoping that that can be the last of the Zion talk because I think everybody gets uh, all the Zion talk they could possibly want from other sources. 
Um, what we're going to do tonight, folks, is just kind of run through the ACC tournament bracket uh, in quadrants. So, uh, you know, the way we have it is set up as Virginia State and Clemson. You know, those are three teams that can meet in the quarterfinals on Thursday. Uh, Florida State with Virginia Tech playing Miami or Wake Forest to have the right to play them, and so on and so forth. So, uh, guys, you know, you don't like to list or lose listeners uh, right off the bat, and we are going to do more stuff after this, but let's start with uh, Carolina's quadrant. Um, their first game is going to be Thursday night at 7. They've got Louisville um, on their side of the bracket, and then Georgia Tech and Notre Dame playing for the right to uh, spoil Louisville's or continue Louisville's collapse. Uh, on Wednesday. So, Joe, just to you, is, does anything about Georgia Tech or Notre Dame scare you at all? No, there's, you know, Notre Dame's got a, a nice inside presence. Carolina did not have any trouble with them, didn't have any trouble with uh, Georgia Tech uh, this year. So I, I'm, I'm not concerned about that. With Louisville, I think the concern remains that at some point they're going to figure out how to flip that light switch back on and they're going to actually play the last eight minutes of a game. You know, I would have liked for that to have been on Saturday. Um, hopefully we're not going to see that on uh, Thursday this week. Yeah, the, the Ville has a good team and, uh, Quentin, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you like the rest of us are assuming that they can handle Georgia Tech or Notre Dame. Um, do we have any? Any hope that we get to play somebody that is seemingly much more beatable than the Cardinals? No, I don't see so. I mean, Louisville is, I guess, capable of falling to either one of those teams, but it, I think that they're actually a little bit stronger than they've showed the, ever since the turning point of their season, which was the Duke collapse. They'll, they won't, I expect to see them on Thursday night. I'll put it at that. I think so. And, uh, Brandon, you've got your fifth place, uh, coach of the year contender in Chris Mack. Um, just scrolling through the ACC teams released today, which we will touch on eventually. Um, Jordan and Jordan Nora, who had a great game against Carolina in Chapel Hill and then kind of disappeared. Uh, in the Louisville game, he was, he was the top guy on the third, or the game in Louisville. He was the top guy on the third team. You, what, matchup wise, assuming a hypothetical Louisville UNC game, you know, what, what worries you and what do you think Carolina can exploit? I think Nora will never not worry me. I think he's just a good player and I think he kind of just demands that attention. Enoch never stops worrying me either, even though he pretty much got shut down in that second game, but just knowing what he was able to do in the first game. I mean, in the second game, really, he only got one touch. Like, he attempted one basket. And I know that some of that was foul trouble, but I feel like that's something that can't be discounted. If we have to go back around to that whole scenario again, we got to figure out a way to stop him. And then, of course, there's always Sutton, who both games was just a big problem for the Tar Heels to handle. So definitely those three players would be my biggest points of concern for that one. Yeah, and, you know, Louisville, is. it, it strikes me as one of those teams that they can attack you from 
many ways, but they're rarely uh, clicking on all cylinders. Uh, last time I really saw them clicking was the first six or the first twenty-four minutes of the Duke game. Um, Quentin, obviously, the last sixteen minutes of that game did not go so well for them. But do you see them as a legitimate threat to knock off UNC in Charlotte on Thursday night? You know, I do, uh, just because UNC typically, uh, starts off the ACC tournament a little slowly, whether they ultimately win the opening game or not. Um, I remember, was it the Miami game last year in the quarterfinals? Uh, could have been Syracuse. I actually forget the team it was, you know, it was, it was finally scratched out a 10 point win or so, but. Uh, there was that one classic Miami comeback from 19 points down, um, in 2011, I believe. You know, it, 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 I was, it stumbled upon this stat earlier today that, you know, UNC has played in eight of the last 12 ACC tournament finals, which is kind of, I guess shouldn't be surprising, but to me, it's sort of is, cause it seems like either Roy doesn't care quite as much about it or, uh, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. But it feels like we've had some early exits, but it actually isn't quite the case. I think Louisville should have the heels attention, obviously after what happened in the Dean Dome. That was sort of outrageous. And that was at the point where I think pretty much every UNC fan was like, okay, are we even going to be better than last season? Or, I mean, last season we ended up a two seed and then everything was kind of okay uh surface wise but there were probably deeper problems that were ultimately exposed in the tournament and uh i think the the heels should be ready this team seems focused this team doesn't let up leads knock on wood uh you know uh unc should be on upset alert but i think that's what this team knows and that's why we're so good yeah and you know even going back to your point about the quarterfinals or you know UNC's first appearance you go back to the Virginia Tech game where Tyler Hansbrough hit the short corner jumper at the buzzer um I kind of get that vibe too and then I look at such you know I look back over the history of it and I've seen games that UNC's won by 30 35 points and I'm just you know I I think maybe we're all crazy a little bit because you know we we all deprioritize the ACC tournament to a point well UNC uh Makes it to the finals, like you said, eight of the last 12 years. And if you're doing that, I mean, you're already expending the energy to play in it. You may as well win the damn thing. Um, Brandon, you know, just uh, kind of the same question. I mean, does Louisville strike fear in you? Because the one thing that really makes it do it for me is that they get another game to get used to the environment before they play Carolina. Right, and I think the thing about Louisville is that Carolina has to just keep in mind what happened in the first game and try to forget about what happened in the second game, which, of course, sounds a little weird because we won that second one, but if there's any motivation here to, you know, avoid that whole thing all over again, it's going to be the hey, you remember when they embarrassed us in Chapel Hill factor? I definitely think Louisville can repeat that, but the thing is I don't necessarily trust Louisville because, yeah, after Duke did what they did, it's just really hard to get a feel of what they, like basically what's left of them. I really don't know what's 
what they're actually going to bring to the table, I feel like we're not going to even have the slightest idea of that until after their first game against either Georgia Tech or Notre Dame. But I feel like anybody that's going to play against Carolina in the ACC tournament, they're going to be bringing their best game. So I definitely think that there's always the possibility. I don't think it's as easy as saying, you know, Carolina's going to play Duke guaranteed round three. No, they have to get through this one first, and it's going to be another dogfight. Yeah, and we'll talk about uh, teams looking ahead, but um, Joe, Vegas has Syracuse, who, you know, they have a similar path to Louisville. Um, They would have to go through Duke, then UNC, then ostensibly Virginia, Virginia Tech, or Florida State. They're at plus 8,000. Louisville, with the same path, just UNC and Duke reversed, is at plus 3,000. Um, so despite being the seventh seed, you know, they're, they're given basically 2.6 times better odds of, uh, cutting down the nets than Syracuse. So what is it about this Louisville team that, uh, Vegas is high on? Is it just their pre-February exploits or is there something that we've all missed here? Yeah. So the truth, the comparison is Syracuse, a good comparison, but the truth is that Syracuse had one good game and they came out on top playing stellar defense in Durham. Louisville's had a handful of good games against all the top teams in the league. Uh, clearly had Duke uh, dead to rights, had Virginia dead to rights on Saturday, beat Carolina once. They've shown that they can play with everybody. And so when you look at, at winning the tournament, you've got to project further than whatever the first game you're going to play. Syracuse just hasn't shown that they can do that. You know, against Louisville the first time through, and it really shows the development of this Carolina team. Carolina goes 3 for 22 from 3, and they end up scoring only 62 points. They go 2 for 20 against Duke, and yet they blow out Duke uh, in Cameron. And so that's the development is this team, this Carolina team, has figured out that they can score inside when the outside shots aren't going and that they can score outside when they can't force the ball inside and make plays or get to the line. And that's been the progression. The magic number for this Carolina team is is 73. When they score 73 points or more this year, they've got one loss. And when they score less than 73 points on the year, Carolina's 0-4. And that's going to be the difference. And I do not think that Louisville can hold this team to less than 73 points. There it is, the final word with Joe Carpenter. Uh, we're, we're going to get back into some bold predictions and uh, really kind of break out what we uh, see for the tournament. But let's uh, go down a quadrant here and let's talk about Dukes. Um, that opens up at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Uh, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, it's probably the day of the ACC tournament. Thank you for joining us and uh, tell all your friends to listen to it while it's still relevant. Boston College and Pitt are playing at 7 o'clock p.m. Nice little uh, northern battle there. The winner takes on Syracuse and the winner of that game will take on Duke. So it is the whole um, highest uh, latitude quadrant of the ACC. Yes, that is a shot at Duke's uh, student body, or at least where they come from. No offense, Quentin, but um, Boston College Pitt, what, what what do you have going on there? Um, is this the Kai Bowman show? Yeah, that seems about right. Uh, that is, so that's Tuesday at uh, 7 p.m., right? That's not too long from now. Um, 
I think Kai Bowman will have a big game. Um, I've actually, I actually like Boston College to hurt all Heels fans by, by, if not scaring Syracuse, I actually think, I actually think Boston College could beat them. I really do. And if I, I have no real reason other than Syracuse typically needs this tournament, needs a win or two. They're used to living on the bubble. Jim Beheim, this is his 10 and 8 season in the ACC has got to have him feeling, you know, secure than ever about his conference, about his NCAA tournament chances. And they swept Boston College during the regular season, but one of those was particularly close. I remember, I think, 77-71. I unfortunately think that Duke and the aforementioned star player of Duke will have two relatively easy games to warm up before potentially running in the heels on Friday night. So, you know, being kind of our resident Syracuse expert, I'll uh, keep it with you here. Are you basically saying that Syracuse – to make a run in uh, March Madness needs to come in limping a little bit because that seems to be the uh, template for him. You know, that that does. And uh, I think Syracuse is a really interesting team to me because they have very, a few very talented individual players. They've got, a, so, a solid defense that gives most teams fits. That's obviously why they are typically a decent tournament type team where you're adjusting on the fly. They have their own version of our uh, Kenny Williams, I think, this season and Frank Howard. I don't know what's going on with him. Um, I've got a few Syracuse friends I talked to about and they just, they just say he's, uh, he's terrible. Uh, but I, I, you know, they, they've got, they, their biggest problem is they just do not play enough players. And, you know, Bayheim had a famous quote right after playing Carolina in, in last year's tournament, ACC tournament, something to the effect of, we only have three players who can score. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, what kind of coach says that about their team and their roster that not only they've recruited, but that they themselves coach? I mean, it's just absurd. And, uh, you know, he, he has gone through a very hard personal time within the last month, obviously, about the tragic accident where he killed a 51-year-old uh, Syracuse resident accidentally uh, with his car. And, you know, I think Beheim, he he can somehow get the attention of his team right when he needs it, it seems. They're always, they're you know, they're very rarely a bad team. <laughs> I, I hate, you know, that sounds weird, but they, they always cause, cause fits for the other team. But I just think that Kai Bowman could, could, uh, solve that zone and go for 25 or 30 and Duke will be playing BC instead. Yeah. And Brissett, Battle, and Howard, to me, I mean, that is about as good as a, uh, one, one, two, three punch you have outside of, you know, really the, upper echelon elite teams in the conference. Um, Brandon, do you have any more optimism about Syracuse? Do you think they uh, make it to the round three with Duke on uh, Thursday night? I think they could definitely do it. Um, 
it very much depends on I, I I feel like Boston College is gonna be pit, so I feel like it's gonna depend on how well Kai Bowman can kinda of do in that matchup and how well his teammates can help him. But if Syracuse does make it to Duke, I think that I think that if they can get Duke to turn the ball over at kind of the rate that, if I recall correctly, they were able to do it in the first game that they played them in. They should be in good shape. However, they're going to have to stop the type of shenanigans that Duke brought in that second game, specifically one that one tactic that I remember them using was pretty much having Jones sit in the middle of the zone and shoot jumpers instead of a big man, which blew my mind. I don't know how you don't close out on a guy that is significantly smaller than you, but apparently that's, I mean, it's a two, three zone. So I guess it can't surprise me too much, but at well, any rate, it, in the words of the great Bomani Jones zone is for cowards. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. tend to agree with um, that. Well, the other shenanigan Duke pulled, Brandon, was that uh, they unleashed Alex O'Connell uh, in the first full game after losing to UNC with uh, Zion out. Uh, I think he went for at least 18, maybe more, uh, putting away that Syracuse game. O'Connell disappears again. Well, maybe not with uh, Bolden out for the ACC tournament, but could you see a situation where just the chemistry of Duke is disrupted by the return of Zion where um, – Maybe they don't really have the perimeter threats to shoot over the zone. That definitely could be the case. And one thing that is very misleading about this most recent game that they had against UNC is the sheer volume of shots that they had to put up just to do what they did against the heels. I mean, I don't know. Everything about Duke right now, to me is very up in the air. I mean, I think Zion could probably come back and he could plug right in and it could be back to business as usual, or he could take a while to get adjusted himself or the team could get a while, you know, take a while to get adjusted to him because really in his absence, they've been trying to focus on that perimeter play and quite frankly, they haven't been very great at it, except for that game that you mentioned when O'Connell managed to drain shots. So I feel like there is a good chance that there's going to be some adjustment that it's not going to be as clean of a game as anybody that wants Zion to be back right now should expect. I think Syracuse is going to make them play sloppy. It's just going to be whether or not they can persevere through that. I think it's definitely possible that they – it basically can go both ways in my mind. I guess it's kind of my punctuation on that take. You slammed at him there. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh no we, we we have fun um joe i mean first of all you know two-part question here first of all do you see boston college or pitt uh upsetting syracuse after winning you know after winning on tuesday night second part of the question could you have actually identified which of the bottom six teams were playing whom on tuesday 
Third part of the question, Syracuse Duke, um, anything that we've missed so far? Great question. So uh, part A, I think Syracuse will win the 1995 Big East quadrant of the uh, tournament bracket in the ACC. Uh, secondly, uh, no, I would not have been able to correctly identify the teams in order who are playing each other, and that is both sad for the ACC and I guess from my observational skills, although I actually watch quite a bit of ACC basketball, but hard to keep up with all those uh, the bottom dwellers in the league this year when the, the league is is clearly pretty top heavy on the the top well, half. And, and 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 the thing is, I mean, there there are nine legitimate ACC tournament team or NCAA tournament teams, and then there are six that are very much not. Um, so yeah, well, there, there's eight I, in so, state. So I, I, eight in state feels more correct, but at this point, but uh, it, it, we'll get uh, honestly, <laughs> the you know what Syracuse does to teams is what Duke is not good at, and that's make them shoot outside and hit semi-contested threes from a step or two behind the line. Duke can't do that. I, I'm also surprised with Duke putting Jones in the middle of the zone and carving up Syracuse. I think that that's where Barrett needs to be as a playmaker and and be able to distribute from there. But, yeah, you can see Duke coming out and bricking up about, you know, 12 or 15% from three and having that game be close down the stretch. Syracuse is not going to – not going to have a lot of foul trouble. Uh, and I am very impressed with Battle. I think he's an excellent player. Uh, and I think that that could very well be a game that comes down to a possession or two. Uh, I would pick the Blue Devils. I, there's a lot of talent on the floor and the ability to score in transition is going to be difficult for Syracuse to defend. Um, but I think that playing the zone against Duke is, uh, it, it is, the recipe for beating them, and it is what they are going to see in the NCAA tournament. Everybody is going to come out and play some kind of packed-in zone and keep Barrett and Williamson from driving. Absolutely, and I think I've talked myself into uh, Syracuse winning this one just because I really want to go to the Friday night session of the tournament, A, and um, B, you know, I, I always like to see Duke lose. I always like to talk myself into a little false hope. Um, we will get everybody's uh, picks for who's going to make it to the semifinals, who's going to make it to the finals, and who's going to win the win the thing later. But uh, let's, let's talk about the most anonymous quadrant. Um, you know, the uh, Florida State Seminoles would be the head of it as the four seed. Uh, they're going to play at 2.30 on Thursday against whoever comes out of the Miami Wake Forest Virginia Tech group. Um, just... To spoil what I just told you we would do, Virginia Tech is my sleeper in this whole tournament. I don't see Miami or Wake beating them. Uh, Joe, I'm going to just uh, keep it with you here. Anything we should take from the Tuesday or Wednesday is Miami and Wake Forest kick it off here in 15 hours as we record right this second. Really feel bad for Wake Forest. They've had a couple of great games last week, uh, ended with a, a solid first you know, 25 or 30 minutes, uh, on Saturday and, and couldn't pull out the win. I, I think Miami's athleticism is going to carry the day there. Uh, Virginia Tech can score. Uh, there's no question. And if they get hot from deep, they're going to provide fits for Florida State because they're going to expand out and, and render the big guys from Florida State to be less effective. Um, 
And so I, uh, that is going to be quite the game. And when you look ahead at the tournament, that rematch, uh, with Florida State and Virginia Tech it will very well be at least for a four seed and maybe the winner gets a three seed. I mean, that is a really important game for the tournament that not a lot of people are, are talking about. Yeah. And Brandon, I mean, just. I guess kind of your thoughts. I mean, we, this is, uh, the Chris Likes invitational at this point, And I feel like Chris Likes probably owes somebody besides UNC, um, some buckets. Do you have, uh, Miami or Wake? And then, you know, where do you see it going through, uh, the Thursday afternoon game? Chris Likes definitely owes somebody other than UNC some buckets. And I was <laughs> waiting for it against Duke. And it never happened. Like, I couldn't believe it. He was so bad. And I didn't understand it for the life Did of me. Did he start like 0 for 12 it. in that game? He started like 0 for 12. I think he only made, what, one or two field goals? I don't even, I'm looking now because now you have me very intrigued and worked up well, because that game made me very I, angry. I, I will fill some audio for you right quick and just say, that's two years in a row that Chris Likes has ruined one of my very rare trips to Chapel Hill. Um, just making everything, making me lose faith, not only in the UNC defense, but also just, uh, society, God, and the world as a whole. Um, that guy's really good. And I feel like Miami is the best team of all these Tuesday teams. So do you have some numbers for me? Yes, I do. Chris Likes was one for 15 in that entire oh, game. And was <laughs> 0 for 7 from 3. 0 for 7 from 3. So yeah, he definitely owes somebody other than Carolina some threes. I think they make it past Wake Forest. The Virginia Tech game, I think is going to be really tough if I had to, you know, bet, if I had to put some money down on that one, I'm guessing that Virginia Tech makes it out of that one. I, this isn't even necessarily like an educated guess, but I really want to see Virginia and Virginia Tech go at it one more time just because I'm here for the fireworks. Yeah, I'm going to get there. And um, do, do we know if uh, – is it uh, Blackshear or Alexander Walker that was uh, that was hurt? I think it was Alexander Walker. I could be wrong, though. I, th I think it was too, because there are a lot of recent articles on, uh, Blackshear blossoming into the star. Um, Quentin, I, I feel like you're the most up to date on everything. Um, is Alexander Walker set to play here this week? That was, uh, quite presumptuous it's, of you, Chad. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think it's Justin Robinson that's been out all year. Alexander Justin Robinson, the Virginia Tech. There we go. Yeah. Right. Okay. 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 And Joe with the assist. Um, Quentin, do you think Virginia Tech has the upside of a sweet 16 to elite eight, possibly final four team, um, as they are currently constituted? I, I don't think so. And I think it's, if they had Justin Robinson, I think it would be a different story, but I do, I do agree with Joe overall. I, I, I like them to get past, uh, Florida State, I think, uh, they lost a heartbreaker in Tallahassee just less than a week ago, last Tuesday night, and they blew a 
big, I think, 14-point lead at halftime. And uh, it'll be an interesting game. Um, it'll be a nice little matchup of two of the sort of what I would call um, surprise-type Coach of the Year candidates who finished up ballot. Uh, you know, uh, the Hokies led by Buzz Williams um, and obviously Florida State, Leonard Hamilton has been there forever. They've both done great jobs. I think Florida State was, you know, tied for the biggest rise in the standing rankings, you know, from preseason to how it actually finished. So, you know, that, and then I would contrast those obviously with Roy Williams and Tony Bennett, who I'd call the, you know, accomplishment <laughs> candidates for coach of the year. And of course we, you know, a lot of us were upset to see Tony Bennett win his fourth or fifth. Uh, ACC coach of the year, but yeah, but that's beside the point. I agree with Joe. I think Virginia Tech has great potential, uh, in this tournament. I'm not too sure about the NCAA, uh, but keep your eye on them and, uh, against Virginia too. That, that would be a good semifinal. And y'all are still spoiler alerting my, uh, my hot take here, but, um, as far as Florida <laughs> State is not the four seed for no reason, you know, besides UNC, I don't know that they've lost more than one or two games since early January, really. They, they started off really cold in ACC play. Um, does it, does anybody want to give us a good reason not to sleep on the four seed here? I think they're really good. I mean, I can't really think of any reason. To... <laughs> they've, they've just been really good. And, you know, Leonard Hamilton, he, he's had them you know, kind of ready to push down that final stretch. And I feel like they're just going to kind of keep it going. And, man, they're kind of like – Not to cut you off, Brandon, regard. but uh, – Oh, yeah. Sorry, oh. sorry. I was also going to point out they, sh- they oh, should have been in Tallahassee. They should have been Duke. We all forget that, I think, because that would be – that would have been a, what, a, a 14-4 and four finish in the ACC with a win over Duke. Sorry yeah, they to cut you lost off. by two, that- right? Yeah, yeah that, they that should. Was the Zion got up the six eye. or so. Yes. Yeah. Every Duke loss has Cam an Reddish, That was the Cam Reddish buzzer beater. Oh <laughs> 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 uh, no, I I've forgotten about that one. That was one of the better games of the year. Um, I mean, for me, Florida State, very much like Syracuse, is one of those teams that once they get outside of the ACC, you know, where they might be a little bit of a second-class citizen, if you want to take the cynical approach that, you know, maybe like an NC State fan might take, um, they go out and they put up they put up Ws in the tournament, and I think we're probably sleeping on them a little bit just because. Well, Carolina beat them by uh, 16 points in Chapel Hill about two weeks ago, but. Florida State, Virginia Tech is going to be a banger on Thursday, I believe. Um, let's just uh, take it over to the last little quadrant here. We have the one seed, Virginia. Y'all tie for the ACC regular season championship. Don't say you're the outright champions because Cam Johnson and Nasir Little missed very key stretches that game. Um, they're going to play the winner of NC State and Clemson, who tip off at noon on Wednesday. I'm actually going to be at that game for some for no really good reason. Uh, Brandon, I'm going to start with you this time. NC State-Clemson, big matchup. Does uh, NC State-NC State this thing away and end up in the NIC? 
that's a tough question. I feel like Clemson finds a way to send them down to the NIT, though. I just think that I think the X factor there is more than likely Reed. I I think he's probably just going to be too much for them to handle. I also just I don't typically trust State in this time of the year. I just don't. So I think they're going to show up just to basically go away. Joe, that sounds good to me. Does it sound good to you? Well, let me look. As much as we all hate State, let's let's remember uh, on January 29th, if State scores one more point in regulation, two more points in overtime, they beat Virginia. And let's think about how different Carolina's season is right now. If State would have won that game. Carolina would have been the outright ACC champion. They would have been locked for a number one seed. They would have been the number one seed in the ACC tournament. All other things equal, uh, with Carolina's record being equal, it was State that somehow managed to completely screw Carolina by blowing that game down the stretch. And so Virginia ends up beating them. State, by far, has the better chance to beat Virginia over Clemson, and I agree that I don't see State getting by Clemson in the first place, which once again is going to lead to a cakewalk of Virginia getting right on into the next round of the ACC tournament. I mean, all you're saying is that State, even when uh, trying really hard to do something right, failed. And uh, Clinton, <laughs> do, do, you have, do you have anything to give us optimism about the Wolfpack going in and uh, taking down the number nine seed Clemson Tigers on Wednesday? I mean, it's well, not a football game, so it's theoretically possible for them to win. Right. The game, the game before, uh, Joe was talking about actually was when these two teams played in the regular season. And if you remember, that was one of the most improbable wins, like of all time, of any game ever, because it required Marquise Reed, who I think is an 80% free throw shooter, missing four consecutive free throws in the final 12 seconds. And then I, I keep wanting to call him Patrick Beverly. What the heck's his first name? The Beverly Francis State. Braxton. Yeah. Braxton Beverly hits the long rainbow at the buzzer, you know, on a, on a live ball play of falling one of those missed free throws. I mean, just an absurd ending. It was a close game pretty much throughout. In fact, state led for, I think, most of it. I expect a similar game. I think it would be close. Um, but I, I think Clemson's the better team, and I think they should they should go in with some confidence against Virginia before uh, giving way. And neither one of them has the firepower to beat Virginia. Do, does anybody have any reason to think otherwise? I mean, Clemson, you know, with uh, Reed and Thomas could provide a little bit of an inside-outside threat, but I feel like that would be an A++++ game that we have not seen from the Tigers. I mean, they got wiped by 20 when they played them during the regular season, so I can't really think of any reason why. Or, you know, I can't – there was not really any progression with Clemson that tells me that anything would be much different, really. Yeah, and – 
You know, the other thing I look at is back to the betting lines. You know, Clemson's at plus 6,000 to win the ACC tournament. NC State's at plus 8,000. So somehow State gets as good of odds as Syracuse, which I've still got problems with. Um, Virginia's at plus 120, which is almost even. Um, I think what that really tells you is that uh, odds makers are saying, yeah, Virginia's really got one game they have to win. Um, and with that kind of as a segue, we will have the semifinals. We're going to assume, just for the purposes of this podcast, that UNC probably makes it, uh, you know, hopefully. And probably Virginia makes it. But just, uh, Quentin, I'll start with you. Who are your four teams that make it to the semifinals and who wins those games? And we'll get to your champion uh, sometime after that. All right, I've got Virginia up top. I'll take Virginia Tech, UNC, and Duke. And the winners for of the those record, games. I've got. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, for the record, I've got the same thing, and you have a nice little uh, North Carolina Virginia rivalry uh, doubleheader on Friday night. Right. All and, right, uh, Brandon and Joe, just jump in ahead? if you got the same semifinals. Yeah. Oh no, I was I, I was just gonna say if anybody else has the same four in the semis, uh, let's go ahead and let it out there, just so you know. Otherwise, I'll just be asking Brandon and Joe the same question. I have the same four, but I have an asterisk next to Duke because I really do think that Syracuse has a better chance to beat Duke than maybe most people give them credit for. I thought Are it was because Bolden's not playing, and so we were going to go on and put a preemptive <laughs> asterisk next to Duke. I just thought, is that not what happened? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought that's what happened. Oh, I'm they're sorry. They're undefeated the this year when they're, they're not playing with asterisks. Right, right. Yeah. Um, Like I said in the pre-show, I mean, Tony Kornheiser said if Duke beat UNC on Friday night, uh, they would be 1-0 against UNC. So clearly, um, you know, Duke does not have losses if they're not at full strength. But um, if we were to agree that very chalkily Virginia, Virginia Tech, UNC, Duke was the final four, Quentin, I'll take it back to you. Who are going? Who, who's going to win those two games on Friday night? I've got Virginia and UNC. Well, I like the sound of that, uh, Mr. Anderson. I think I'm going to say the same. I I really think that Carolina has Duke's number this year, even minus the asterisk. And Virginia's just Virginia, and they're stupid Virginia-like <laughs> and do Virginia things with their Virginia scoring and Virginia defense. So, yes, I have Carolina. You'll see. <laughs> And, 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 and make no mistake, uh, podcast listeners, we will be back to break down, um, the potential semifinals and finals, uh, once they become apparent. So don't, don't think this is the last prediction and that we're not going to break down a UNC Duke round three again. Uh, Joe, were you with us on the who's the Hokies, the Heels and the Dukies? You know what? I'm put the Seminoles in. I think the only uh, upset you're going to see through the first three rounds is Clemson beating NC State, and that's a nine-eight. Otherwise, I think the ACC's chalk, uh, and I'm going to continue that chalk right through the semifinals. I think uh, Virginia's got a, a 
very uh, manageable matchup. And I think what we really learned that's important uh, if you have a Carolina Duke rematch is that uh, Kenny uh, Williams can take out Barrett uh, on his own. So you can play man-to-man on him. He can take him out of the game. And what that means is that you're going to be able to turn a lot of focus over to Williamson if he's playing. And Duke just doesn't shoot enough with their backup players in order to be able to hang with the heels. And I think they're going to see a lot of points, and I like chalk getting right to the finals. Do you even like the chalk on Tuesday? I do. I do. Okay. I'm going chalk. I'm going chalk uh, all the way. I think, uh, you know, and I hate to give it away, but I think even through the finals, I think the only upset you're going to see in the entire ACC tournament is uh, Clemson beating State. That's the only one I've got. Well, it's hard for me to uh, draw a hot take out of you, but that was going to be my next round of questioning. Um, do you have a hot take on this tournament or a bold prediction or anything along those lines that we can we can put Joe Carpenter on the record of? This is the man who uh, had UNC at 16-2 and two in the ACC, after all. I, I think, look, I, Carolina is the best team in the league. Uh, there's no question in my mind. They are the team that is most capable of making a deep NCAA tournament run. There's no question in my mind about that. Uh, what the issue for them is going to be is they are going to have very difficult games on Thursday and Friday. And I was encouraged to see that Leaky Black was at least participating in practice today. I don't know if he's going to be able to play. That bench strength is going to be an issue for them. And playing at a fast pace is great. And those guys are in wonderful condition. But when you play Louisville and Duke back to back, you're going to be tired, and that and that uh, excuse me UVA defense requires you to have a lot of active energy, particularly off the ball. And I think they're going to have trouble with that. And I see a, a very similar run to what we've seen before to get to that final, and then just sort of get tired in that last ten or twelve minutes, and you won't be able to blame them for it. I mean, they will have earned their way there, but I I. That's where I see the the outcome of the ACC tournament right now. And Brandon, um, Virginia is going to limit possessions and win the ACC tournament, according to Joe. Um, what what is your hot take on this tournament, and where where, where does uh, something besides chalk come from? <laughs> well, whether I should admit this or not, I'm not sure. I follow the the whole idea of chalk, but, um, chalk, chalk means I, that, uh, the higher seed wins. Ah, yeah. Gotcha. So yeah, okay. yeah. not a, not okay. a Kansas reference. Gotcha. Gotcha. I was a little concerned about not that. Not a sidewalk reference. <laughs> um, I feel like Syracuse might be my hot take. I know I said that, I'm expecting Carolina Duke, but I think I'm expecting that because I have such confidence in Syracuse. Usually when I have that level of confidence, bad things happen. And I'm talking about in other teams, not necessarily Carolina. But I feel like that's my hot take. I feel like this round three that we've become accustomed to occasionally in the tournament and what kind of people hope for, I know Duke fans are hoping for it. I know the team themselves is hoping for it, but I feel like if I feel like either Syracuse is going to be out to prove a point, Duke is going to get caught looking ahead or both. 
and I think that Carolina may have an easier way to the ACC championship game than some think. That is a take, my friend. And just to add to it, you know if UNC went 3-0 and against Duke, that it would be the year that they played in the finals. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And nope. I, I, I four knows better than three and zero. I I don't think Come anybody goes through that game, man. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> Quentin, hot takes. Anybody making a run? Uh, any, anything you've got that is not chalk? And um, well, I, I like uh, Syracuse beating Duke better than I like chalk. Yeah, well, as I alluded to earlier, I, I would love for you and Brandon to be right about this, but I I just have a feeling that Duke is going to get to see Boston College, and that's really going to give them a nice warm up going into Friday night. I mean, I could I could be wrong. I, it's just just more than nothing more than an inkling. Um, and I would love to be wrong. Oh man, would I? And uh, as far as the semifinal and finals go, I just I think UNC is. Zion won't quite be effective enough, and UNC will stick to the similar, you know, kind of a combination of the first game plan and the second game plan is would be ideal, and it'll be quite a battle there. And then in the final, I, I list, I hear a lot of what Joe is saying, and it does concern me. I think that, you know, the, the Virginia game earlier this season in the Dean Dome was a microcosm of what he's talking about. We had it. We had the game in control. We did suffer a couple unfortunate injuries, but we just got tired. Never more evidence than Kenny Williams failing to follow Kyle Guy around a couple screens on the dagger possessions. And I think, you know, I, I, I think Joe has got the rational thoughts going, but I, I think UNC is going to win it. I really do. I think this team is, is different. Um, Whoever it was that we, we were referencing earlier uh, on our blog that said that this might be the least talented Carolina team he's had at that Roy Williams has had at UNC. I mean, I don't go nearly that far, but it's definitely not one of the best in terms of talent. But it just seems to get the job done differently than I remember. Even some of the best Carolina teams lost games that this Carolina team pulled out, if that makes any sense. You know, similar type team, type games. And I really think, you know, I know the tournament's always in North Carolina just about, but I think Charlotte will will be the boost in the final that, that Carolina needs this year. It was in Brooklyn the last, what, couple of years. Um, it seemed like UNC and Duke never played in the ACC tournament for a long stretch there. There was that one 2011 final, and now it's been the last three semifinals, right? It's going to turn out being not not even a final. And I think UNC is going to go two and one in those. And then finally go, I guess, well, I guess we two and one against Virginia in the last three ACC finals against Virginia after beating them in 2016. But yeah, that's how I see it going. UNC is the ACC regular and tournament champs. UNC, that is right. This is the best out. This is the rightest outcome. And um, I have full responsibility to come and edit that part out if uh, UNC loses to Louisville on Thursday. Just uh, so Quentin, <laughs> you, you, you'll never be wrong on this podcast, my friend. 
Um, guys, here's my hot take. I think Virginia Tech's going to go on a run to the finals. Ooh. And based on – well, they, they played Virginia close the first time or the second time. I don't know. They played twice so damn early in the season. I don't even remember which game it was. Based on who wins the other games. Second. Second time. First time was a blowout. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think, uh, I think Virginia Tech, um, in much the way Virginia owes them poetic justice in football, I think Virginia Tech, uh, owes Virginia some poetic justice in basketball. I, I just think the Hokies, you know, more more so than anybody in the conference outside of UNC are peaking at the right time, and I think they're going to make a run. And I think at that point, whoever wins on Friday between UNC and Duke, which right now I have just as a complete toss-up, I have the edge to UNC because the loss of Mar- Marcus Bolden is huge for Duke, just the way UNC wants to play. I think you're setting up for UNC Virginia Tech uh, championship game on Thursday night or on Saturday night, and I think UNC wins it. I like it. Hey, I mean, I told somebody I had to have a bold take, and um, I feel like Virginia Tech over Virginia probably qualifies. I mean, yeah, especially the way that Virginia has basically plowed through everybody but Duke. I don't think anybody really expects them to lose like that until the NCAA tournament. Well, yeah, well that prediction, that prediction is going to be right until later in the week when it's not right and we have another podcast and then we can make more predictions. So that's good. Well, well, I mean, I play my own rules, Joe. Joe. <laughs> I mean, I, I just told y'all I was going to protect uh, Quentin's picks. I'm definitely going to go back and edit if I'm wrong. There's just going to be a little <laughs> cut in the audio. Yeah, I think Louisville beats UNC. Um, I think Duke wins the whole thing. But, hey, you um, guys remember, do you remember the last time that Louisville and UNC played in the Spectrum Center? 2008. Not off the top eight, of my head. 2008 Elite Eight, I believe. Oh. Oh. That was the Hansbro game where those he hit a couple of Long jump, long two point jumpers right at the end to seal it up. David Padgett. Th- this is the. Oh man, the the David the David Padgett era. Um, too short lived as a head coach, I must say. I think so too. But um, yeah, I I prefer an ACC where Louisville is bad at football and basketball. They, I, I'd like for them to be our Rutgers. I mean, at this trajectory, it's – well, I shouldn't say that. Chris Mack does a good job. He does. But I just don't know how long he's going to be able to sustain it. So we'll see. No, and this this is just going to be a random question as we're just kind of filling, killing time before our outro. But what happened to Xavier this year? Are they any good? Apparently they're on the bubble. Or they just kind of fall – Sixteen. They were a top 10 preseason team, weren't they? Or am I just crazy? You know, I think you remember right. that correctly. They were a number one seed in last year. I year's think they were up there. Right? 
Yeah, they were one seed last year. I mean, Chris yeah. Mack is no slouch as a coach. And he's, I mean, what he's done with uh, this Louisville team who was not expected to, you know, th- th- they were a Tuesday team going into the season and they have exceeded expectations. But hopefully uh, February Louisville is uh, what we actually know about Louisville. Um. Yeah, Brandon. the truth is, if he didn't Larry Fedora away a couple of games there, I mean, they would be, you know, top four in the conference, top five in the conference, and they'd be a highly nationally ranked team right now. But they can't close out games because he had issues down the stretch, and that's been their M.O. this year. Well, maybe he Larry Fedora in that he um, rode Xavier as far as he could, like Fedora did at Southern Miss, and then um, capitalized on <laughs> – a good job opportunity. Um, <laughs> Brandon at, at THB Brandon on Twitter. Um, what do you have to plug going on this week? I know it's going to be a crazy week for all of us, but, uh, do you have anything going on besides just ACC tournament coverage, which is a lot? I already know. That is exactly what I have going on. So I'll be in Charlotte. I will be working with Tanya to produce some post-game analysis shortly thereafter the game. I also should be having a couple of post-game write-ups as well. So should be busy. Hopefully it will be as busy as I'm planning on it to be. We shall see, a.k.a. busy until Saturday night. So yeah. Um Brandon, this is um not something I I can say actually under the uh letter of the law and I'll let uh Joe confirm this, but if you get a package of some strange food this weekend, eat it and if you get food poisoning, I mean I'll be happy to go to Charlotte and uh go to the ACC tournament besides the Wednesday <laughs> afternoon session. <laughs> Bro, like we we've done resorted to poisoning now. <laughs> All I'm saying no, is that if, if you fall if if you fall ill, um, we have a backup plan. I just for the record, I mean for, the way uh, the NSA and everybody else, um, I am not actually going to send Brandon any bad food, but um. Because the truth is, wow, the way yeah, that I've I been feeling for the past time. month, you really don't have to poison me. Let's be real. I've done a good enough job staying ill myself, so. Well, in both the good way and the bad way, you are the illest, Brandon. You are the illest. Um, <laughs> Mr. Carpenter, what, what, what do you have to plug? Uh, your Monday morning, uh, hangover was a fantastic read this, uh, this morning. Do you have anything else on the horizon? You know, this morning I plugged uh, Cameron Johnson for ACC Player of the Year. That was unsuccessful. But I really think if you look at the stats and leadership on the year, uh, that that he had a path there. And I was sorry to see the guy that played 11 and a half games this year ended up taking that home instead of a guy that played 18 and won 16 of them. Um, I I also will tell you that I that this morning included in the article – uh, the path that Carolina has, I think, to the, the number one overall national seed, uh, rooting for Pepperdine this evening. Uh, Gonzaga's got to take a loss, but I think if the Zags lose and Carolina makes a run in Charlotte, then they do have a path to that number one seed. And so, uh, we'll keep on that and, uh, and I'll be 
sitting back and watching a lot of basketball this week. I like it. And um, does the path not to the number one overall seed not include head-to-head? I don't think it does. But, um, you know, NCAA Tournament Committee, if you're listening to this, two things. I'm not going to poison Brandon, and I think <laughs> UNC should be the number one overall seed if they uh, went out. Um, Quentin, the first-time caller here. Uh, anything you've got, um, anything coming on the site, your Twitter account, because I don't know it offhand. Um I know I follow you, but I don't know where I follow you. Yeah, uh, first, uh, yeah, I want to say I agree with Joe about Cam Johnson. I was a little upset to not see him at least get any vote. You know, I thought, I don't know if they just cap it at four entries or whatever per ballot, but he, him, for him not to get any votes was a little surprising. But anyway, you can, uh, follow me at, at Quintus, Q-U-I-N-T-O-U-S. And that's my Twitter handle on tarheelblog.com. I'll be having a pretty chill week, I guess. I won't be down in Charlotte like Brandon, but uh I do have, I think, planned the player of the game article for Friday night's game, presumably, which will be against our hated rival, the Duke Blue Devils. And uh if you guys are right, to Chad and Brandon, uh, maybe it'll be Syracuse instead. Hopefully UNC will be in it at the very least. And if UNC is in it, I hope it's not player of the game is highest battle or someone like that. So that's what I've got going on this week. Hoping to see a ACC tournament title, but know that any loss from here to, to Sunday night, or I, I suppose Saturday night, is not the end of the world, not even the end of the season. Thanks. That That is the absolutely right take, and uh, UNC has won national championships after not winning the ACC tournament. I think they've exclusively done that under Roy. So, you know, if you believe in correlation over uh, causation, then we're in good hands either way. But um, as for me, you can find me at Chad underscore Floyd on Twitter. My musings are all pretty much random and uh, off the cuff. Um I'm going to be podcasting all week, so hopefully we can get some more of these gentlemen on. Hopefully we can get some of the Tar Heel blog staff on to break down games and preview games. As I know Brandon is kind of our point man for post-game podcast, but we will be trying to get you some pre-game content as well. So with all of that being said, subscribe. Uh, we are on pretty much every platform you can li- listen to. And leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and I will read it on air. Um, Jake Lawrence and I had to read something from an SH exclamation point T bags uh, last week on the Don't Punt a Geo podcast. We'd love to do it again. So send us some absurdity with your five-star reviews, and we'll get there. Until next time, though, go Heels, and we'll talk to you all soon.